0: Thank you, Paul, for those, for that prayer, for those encouraging words to us. Happy New Year to you all here at Grace Chapel and out there in your homes, wherever you're watching this morning. It's good to be with you today. As we look forward to 2021, and I think many of us are, uh, it's great to look back and to see how the early church forged ahead in the face of so many challenges. I have a question for you this morning? What? causes you, what causes, excuse me, what causes do you consistently put your best efforts toward? For some people, it's their employment, which would be amazing, isn't it? That you love your employment so much, it brings you satisfaction, it blesses so many others, people that you you just pour yourself into it. That's a wonderful place to be for your job. But a lot of times it's something else besides our employment or how we have income. A lot of times it's other activities that we invest some of our best efforts in, whether it's music or sports or hobbies, coaching, teaching. There's all kinds of worthy causes to pour our, put our best into. So I was walking around my neighborhood even this week on one of the nice sunny days after Christmas. Uh, There was a lady in her yard raking what few leaves were in it. Her lawn is always immaculate, just making it perfect. And there are many people in a neighborhood, you know, that they invest a lot of effort in their landscaping. Whether they do it or they hire someone else to do it, there are hours put in there. My wife, Leslie, has a bumper sticker on her car and it says this. Love people, cook them tasty food. I want you to know something. I eat really well. (laughs) Thank you, Leslie, for investing so much effort into tasty food for me and others. It's one of many causes that she really pours herself into. It's just the way she is. Well, in the book of Acts, Luke is constantly reminding us that the church was together in unity, that the disciples were following the Lord together. In chapter 2, it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with all. All the believers were together and had everything in common. It says in chapter 4, all the believers were one in heart and mind. Wow, that sounds wonderful, doesn't it? It was, I'm sure it was, but there were forces trying to pull them apart. We, we looked at one of those forces last week, interior forces, Ananias and Sapphira, and their attitude that would have pulled them apart because they wanted to have high status rather than serving other people. From the outside, religious leaders were persecuting and being jealous and starting to seek to divide the disciples. I'd like you, if you have your Bibles, to turn to Ephesians chapter four. I want to read seven verses from it. Ephesians chapter 4, beginning at verse 1. Paul's writing a letter to the Ephesians to encourage them in the faith. And he writes, as a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit just as you were called to one hope when you were called one lord one faith one baptism one god and father of all who is over all and through all and in all but to each of you but to each one of us grace has been given as Christ has apportioned it fact god has united his people together We are one because there's one Spirit, God the Spirit, living in us. We're united together to Jesus Christ, our Savior, the one who purchased us. And he's given us new life. And we all have that life if we're a follower of Christ, a believer in him. And we are commanded to keep that unity together. Keeping it together is worthy of our best efforts. So we face forces like the early church to pull us apart, to bring disunity among us. Our own bent towards sinful selfishness tends us to go that way, to be divided. Cultural differences, language barriers, different viewpoints separate us. But the word of God, the spirit of God says, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit. I can't do it. We can't do it. But God, the Spirit, is living in us, believers in Christ, followers of Christ, so we can work toward unity together. And Acts chapter 6 is one of those places that helps us to see how to keep unity together. I love this. In chapter 6 of Acts, verse 1, it says, In those days, when the number of disciples was increasing, the Grecian Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. Good news. The disciples were growing in numbers. The church was multiplying. New believers were coming in. God was at work. People were hearing the gospel of Christ and believing. Amazing. But there was a a major issue. When you grow, growing pains happen. It's inevitable that there's going to be uh, things to pull us apart. The Hebraic Jews, They were rooted in Palestine. They are the people who lived and grew up in the in the promised land, in the Holy Land. They kept the Jewish traditions in the homeland. They spoke Aramaic or Hebrew. That was their main language. And it's known that those Jews who lived in the land kind of looked down on the other Jews who had been dispersed around the world, who spoke other languages. Because, well, you know, I don't know if you've ever experienced a small town experience I have. And if you're not from there, if you can't point to where your grandfather had land, then you're never one of them. And that's the way they were looking down on other people. The Hebraic Jews were rooted in Palestine. The Grecian Jews or the Hellenists, they kept Jewish traditions. They were Jews. But their primary language was probably Greek or other languages in the, in the lands or nations where they were living. But many of them came back not only for, to celebrate Passover and other important uh Festivals that God had appointed, holy days, but many came back to be buried in the promised land. So they wouldn't have family connections. They would be isolated. They were like going to the retirement places that we have in our nation, in Florida and other communities, and they were alone. And then, if a husband died, widows would be alone, isolated from their families, and they were being overlooked. And they couldn't be helped. They wouldn't be helped if they were Christians now believers by the Jewish system that God had set up. And they did practice there in the Holy Land during Jesus' time, taking care of the widows. They would have been outside that structure because they were Jesus followers. You know, we've all experienced being looked down on because we're different somehow. You've felt it somewhere, some way, someplace. And we've all whether we want to admit it or not, look down on somebody else because of their language or economic status or, or something that makes them different, for their race, their color of skin, their economic status. Because their values are different. Because their accent's different. Because their political viewpoint's different. And it's hard to get along. We, we know what it's like to be looked down on. And we know that looking down on one another should be checked at the door when we come together to worship Christ. But old habits die hard, don't they? But we can do better with the Lord's help. And that's why Luke tells us about this incident. Every one of us, in little or big ways, knows what it's like to feel like an outsider being overlooked because of who we are or something in our background. Now it says that the Grecian Jews among them complained. You ever think about it, but there is a good kind of grumbling (laughs) and there's a bad kind of grumbling. A bad kind of grumbling, well, an example would be the Israelites in the wilderness after they were leaving Egypt. They were complaining about Moses leading them to the Red Sea. But we forget it wasn't Moses leading them there. It was God leading them there with the, the fiery cloud or the pillar cloud during day and a fiery pillar at night. It was God leading them there. And they were, that grumbling was bad because they weren't trusting God. They weren't following God. They were looking to themselves and to people. So that's bad kind of grumbling and complaining. So if you're complaining, make sure it's a good kind of complaining or grumbling, not something that's lacking faith or trust in God, but something that's tearing apart the body of Christ, something that's intruding on holiness and goodness and the things of Christ. So there's constructive grumbling. Unity here was being uh, challenged or threatened because some some Greek widows were being overlooked and this slight needed to be corrected. So it was a key issue that needed correcting. So this was a good kind of complaining, as long as it was done in the right attitude. Battling to keep unity among believers is worthy. Of my best effort. It Constantly needs to be addressed. That's why Paul wrote in Ephesians, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. And that's what the 12 apostles, that's what the 12 apostles did. They addressed the issue head on. They addressed it and they resolved the difficult issue. Godly wisdom was demonstrated by what the 12 did and what they didn't do. What they did, and we church leaders should take note of it, but we're all leaders whether it's in the body of Christ or at work or we're parents, we're part of the head of a committee, we're team captains or clubs, whatever it is, almost every one of us is a leader somewhere in some way. Take note of what they did. They dealt with the problem immediately. They didn't ignore the complaint. They didn't even go after the grumblers. You people shouldn't be grumbling. No, they said, why are they grumbling? They went to look if there was a really real cause for the grumbling, if it was a good kind of complaining. Don't ignore it. Address it. And they listened. The complaining people were saying, something isn't right about how each member in this body is being treated, and we need to do something to keep unity in the body of Christ. So they looked into the issues. The apostles did something else well. They recognized their limitations. Helped to run the church. And they were flexible. They said, you, all the disciples, were to decide on seven people, seven men, who were to lead, to meet qualifications. But they were flexible. This is one example of a time when the church worked together to fix a problem. But that isn't something that every decision should be done. Football people, you know. Imagine being on the two yard line, second and goal, and the play comes in and the team takes a vote on it. (laughs) What play they should do. It would be chaos if every huddle, they took a vote on what would be the best play to do. Sometimes the group has to decide together, other times it's just trust the leadership. Well, it's the same in our church family. It's the same in our families at home. It's the same in the workplace. Good administration, organization eases tension and helps prevent disunity. The more and more people that come into a group, you need to get organized. And the New Testament doesn't give us ex- specifics on how the seven were chosen. The apostles gave them the guidelines about character, They chose the men, the apostles laid their hands on them and showed to show approval. One thing I do note here, or the commentators do, all these men who were chosen had Greek names, which tells me it was intentional, an intentional decision to show that we're not gonna show favoritism by having just Jewish Palestinian based leaders do this distribution. We're gonna let others be a part of the team. We've done it together. It's a we decided. The more people in a group, the more organized you need to be. Leslie and I were just laughing about it together this week, or just recently. We, we were thinking about when we were early in our marriage, we were living out in Indiana. She was full-time Christian school teacher, high school. I was a seminary student and working part-time. We were crazy busy. We would come home and eat and the dishes would just pile up in the sink until there weren't any more dishes to eat off. Then we would wash them and then, then it would happen again. But when we added other little meters to the tribe, we couldn't continue to live that way. It would have been a mess, it would have been unhealthy. It would have been a disaster we had to get organized and live differently for everyone's sanity and for the well-being of guests who happened to come to our house. <laughs> How we long for little structure and life together as a body of Christ, but we need it when new people, when we're doing our work of making new disciples, more and more people are gonna be added to the fellowship and we need to be organized, but at the same time in an attitude of love. Administration helps ease tensions. Not another form to fill out. I've heard that here. I've heard it other places when it comes to child protection and having to fill out the certifications. But again, I just had to redo mine. I can't believe it. It came so fast. And I've heard many people say, how long have I been serving here? Don't you know me by now? Don't you know that you can trust me? But don't you see, we can't make new people do it and not have old people do it too, because we're in this together. When we share possessions and share the gospel, disciples are gonna be made. And like the ripples of holiness that help the church grow, the ripples of unity help the church grow. More people means facing issues, and we need to protect that unity by addressing the problems and listening and looking for root causes of the grumblings And good administration helps us do that. Another important point is that we're all servants. The office of deacon, diakonos is the Greek word, is here, but not used in a formal way. These men were not called deacons here. But what is interesting to me is that the word for diakonos or servant and all its different forms are used here. And the apostles said, we should be ministering the word of God and and be paying attention to the needs through prayer. That word diakonos, or a form of it, is there. We are servants. We're going to serve the word of God. And we don't have enough time or abilities to also serve tables, to distribute food to the widows, to take care of that important aspect of ministry. So someone else needs to do it. We'll serve the Word. You can serve tables. And they weren't saying that serving the Word is more important than serving tables. What they were saying was this is part of the whole one ministry. Yes, teaching the Word of God is important. And prayer is totally important for, the church, for church unity and vitality and health. But meeting the needs of widows and orphans and the needy is good religious work, too, James tells us. It's important. So they got organized we'll notice that Stephen and Philip, these leaders who were appointed to serve tables did more than serve tables. They were amazing teachers and preachers and evangelists. What the apostles were making clear is that they couldn't do everything and they needed others to help. All of us should be moving toward these qualifications Choose men who are well known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. They were from among them. They knew them. They were godly people. So even administrators need to be godly men, qualified because of their good reputation, full of spirit and full of wisdom. Are you a teacher? Do you have that bent to teach others? We all do in some way then ask the Lord to help you to be a better teacher by building these character qualities, qualities into your life. Are you a helper? You don't take the lead. You just help. You're behind the scenes. That's great. But build these character qualities of having a good reputation, being full of the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, a heart that's leaning toward obedience. You're not sinless, but you're seeking God's will more and more, full of wisdom having better people skills, learn, build up, so you help the body of Christ grow. God gives the church gifted people so that the body of Christ will be built up until we reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. That's Ephesians four thirteen. We serve in our strength, not for status, but to help others. Whether we're a leader or not, we can all aim for these godly characters. God's idea is this, that at my voice and that your voice together when we teach, our voices will together say, heaven's truth and point people to Christ. We will second heaven's acts of mercy and kindness and justice as we work together for Christ's glory. The end of the story, verse 7, it says, So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Like I said before, like the ripples of holiness that we talked about last week in Ananias and Sapphira story, how those ripples touched more people's lives as we, we pursue God together and become more like him. So does unity. Those ripples go out and people see people working hard at being together and working through issues well and getting organized so that Christ is glorified. It's a powerful witness. It displays how our selfishness and our prejudice give way to Christ-likeness, to selflessness, and to justice for all because we're disciples and followers of Christ. Was everything wonderful in the early church Absolutely not, but they were working toward unity, and Luke wants us to see that, and we can do the same by the power of God. Unity is always gonna be tested when new people are added or new people join our congregation. Multicultural ministry is always difficult, it's challenging, it takes extra effort but we need to tear down the barriers of language or different opinions and realize that we're one in Christ. We've all experienced what happens when two different cultures come together. You've experienced it in your family life in some way or fashion. Some of you are married. Remember two different households coming together and figuring out the different roles and expectations It's work. You collide. (laughs) You have to work through. You have to be gracious and patient and kind and humble and loving, and that doesn't always happen easily. And then you add kids to the mix. And those kids, I can tell you from experience, begin to grow up and begin to have their own ideas. They're their own person. They bring their own culture, their own generational viewpoints into their lives, and they're Opinions differ from yours as they get older and suddenly there's these battles, cultural battles, between the generations in your house. But they can be overcome when we, when we listen, when we understand if the grumbling has a good cause or is rooted in selfishness and lack of faith and trust. So all of us, moms and dads and aunts and uncles and grandparents, we're leaders. And we need to live together in unity and help younger generations learn to deal with issues that would divide us. We all take the lead in some way. But the outcome is worth it. Have you ever worked really hard to cook a meal or to fix something or organize something, lead a game, whatever the event? and then people grumble and complain, and it's just like it cuts deep because you put so much effort into it, and it's not appreciated, and you gave it your best. We all need to ponder deeply in this incident in Acts chapter 6 how we can help one another navigate issues that would tear us apart to listen, to not be defensive, to see if the complaints are rooted in truth. And again, I go back to Ephesians chapter four. Those verses are so applicable. Be completely humble and gentle and be patient and bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity. Take it to heart. Leaders should pray and pray a lot because we need wisdom. Wisdom in church ministry. We're leaders in our homes, we're leaders in school clubs, we're leader on a sport team. No matter your age, you need to pray and ask God for help so you listen and lead well, humbly and gently and patiently. Can I be specific? Grace Chapel family, we have all kind of opportunities for international ministry. Some of those people are in our congregation. But there are language barriers. There's COVID-19 barriers. But I would challenge us to go outside of ourselves and attack those different cultures with the gospel of Christ, with the kindness of Christ, displaying unity together as we work and love them, to make an effort to break down those barriers because, remember, we are, if they're a follower of Christ, one together. We can do it, but not by our own power, might, but by God, the Spirit's resources that he gives us. One another, his word, these instructions from Acts chapter 6. Where's God taking his church in 2021? Have you thought about it? Where does he want to take you this year and use you and your places, your giftedness, your talents, your interest, and use you to lead and point others to the love and kindness of Christ? And how can we do it together. Well, John had a vision in Revelation chapter 7, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. Lots of people. Lots of people that we don't know now, but that we are one with in the world, living right now, and people who have lived before, and people who will live after us. They were added And there are some people that we maybe know that will be added in the weeks or months ahead, however God will work. And they were from every nation and every tribe and people and language standing before the throne and they were all wearing white robes because they were all equally pure, all equally saved, all equally valuable to God, equally cherished by him. That's God's vision for our church that we would begin to show that equally valued and cherished because we're one in Christ. So what will I do this week to build a bridge of unity to someone who I've been a little hesitant to to know or I don't know because I've backed away because of viewpoints or their lifestyles or their different way they do things, how I need to break down those barriers. What will I do? Maybe I become distant from them. And I need to reconnect so I can build them up in the faith and they can build me up in my walk with Christ. You know, the pandemic hinders us, but it doesn't need to stop us. So when that person comes to mind right now or this week, pray for them. Get connected and find out how you can support the international ministry here. Maybe you can't get connected with them face to face, but maybe you can just begin to pray for a name that you get from those who work with our ESL ministry or international students ministry and begin to pray for this person, text them, email, call, write a note, take a walk together, safely distance, but whatever it takes to be connected, come alongside one another in unity. When I was a kid, elementary age, pretty young, We got a dog. I got to name him. His name was Zippy because he was little and he zipped around. He was part Boston Terrier and Terriers are bred to go after vermin, especially vermin that live in burrows or holes in the ground. I'll never forget. There are many stories I could tell, but one of them was Zippy did his job what he was gifted at, what he was bred for, what he was made for. My brother and I, one of my older brothers, we were taking a walk in a pasture. It was on a hillside. And there was a fresh groundhog hole. And groundhogs always dig at least two holes, one to go in and one to go out. We called it the front door and the escape hatch. And Zippy spied this groundhog, and he went for him. And the groundhog went in his hole, and guess where Zippy went? Right in after him. And we hear this fighting and going on underground and we're standing there. And I'm just first or second grade or eight or nine years old at the most, probably six or seven. I'm like, he's going to get stuck down there, do something. So my brother Melvin reached down, grabbed him by the tail and yanked him out. He went tumbling down this pasture hill and he wasn't very happy. And he was growling and he came running back up and we thought he was going to come after us. No, he went right back into the hole until he vanquished his foe tenacious and when it comes to keeping unity we need to be like that Zippy was tenacious on working hard at doing what God's gifted us to do whatever those gifts and talents and interests are to keep the body of Christ together to do our part for this generation so there's the next generation to build a church because God's bride is worthy of our best efforts. And we can do it by the might and power and grace of the God who's called us together in Christ, the one who saved us, our sins are forgiven, the one who's given us new life to go and to live in new ways to show the world what it means to be a follower of Christ. Let's pray together. Father and God, you are a great God and you called us together to be one. We have no one else but you, and we need your help to become more like you, Lord Jesus. We ask you to help us to do that, to keep unity, to expand our borders so others can join us and to be flexible and to be wise. We need your help to adjust, to complain well, to help the body of Christ go, to come alongside one another and help us do the work together. Make us one the way you are one. Lord, we ask you to do this so the rippling effects of your love and kindness can be heard and seen wherever your people go. We pray this for your honor and glory, Lord Jesus, in your kingdom. Amen.